Welcome to Daily Living for Christ, 86,400 seconds in a day. Imagine the possibilities of what your life would become if you dedicated an additional 60 seconds each day to walk closer with Christ. Well, that's what we're here for. We are here to partner with you on your journey to drawing closer to Christ. 86,400 seconds. Are you ready? 86,400 seconds. Are you ready to become what Christ has already declared you are? Let's jump in now. Hopefully. All righty. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm excited. We are in the 15th chapter of Romans, and we are heading to the home stretch. And before I get started today, I want to wish my brothers and sisters in the Marine Corps a happy 247th birthday. Continue to walk in honor, courage, and in your commitments. So as we jump into Romans chapter 15, my goal here tonight is just to really just kind of flow through this and let's just see what comes out. Now, we we clearly understand that from the previous chapters, Paul is dealing with or teaching them about the government, how to deal with the government, how to deal with believers that are not as strong as they are, or new believers versus strong believers. And now he is really getting to this point of honing in on what does spiritual maturity, what does it look like? How can we determine if a person is mature, right? Because in church, let me let me say this. In church, in most cases, people will determine a person uh, being mature is by the time, the amount of time the person has been in the church. But that's not how the Lord actually reveals maturity. Maturity is built on your walk. The more that you can see Christ in an individual determines your mature your your maturity in Christ. So you literally could come into the church and be there. Let I just use as an example, you can be there a year and if the Lord gives you revelation knowledge about who you are in Christ and you accept that revelation and you just start growing in the word and the word starts coming out of you and you start, I mean, people start seeing the love of God flowing in and through you, you're considered mature. It's not in in in, in the understanding. God doesn't look at us from a maturity perspective based on time because you have to truly get this. There is no time Time doesn't exist in eternity. 
So what God is wanting from us while we're in this span of time, the created realm of time, God is wanting us to become mature or to grow into him. And what does that grow mean? The grow means the growth that God is looking for, that we accept the finished work of Christ Jesus as our work, as the work that he has already done for us. I'm going to say this because this is really starting to burn in me now. And we're going to get into this when we go into the book of Acts. Mature believers understand that the work that Jesus Christ did on that cross and when he was placed in the ground and the power of God resurrected him up is a finished work. And when we were placed in Christ and we were seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and Ephesians says that all spiritual blessings has been given unto us, that work is finished. Jesus is no longer trying to fulfill something. It's done. He said on the cross, it is finished. So the shift from a maturity perspective and the transformation that God is trying to get us to truly see, not just know, but to see ourselves in the position of the finished work that Jesus has done for us. And I'll go in and, and, and as, after we're done with this, I think I'm going to do a quick study on a couple of parts of Ephesians, because I think it's vital for us. The prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter one is extremely important. But in the verse where he said that he prays to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The wisdom in revelation. Now, before I get into this, I want you to get this now. I want you to chew on this. Paul prayed for the believers in the church that God would grant them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So evidently, you can be born again, saved and still not grab a hold of the fullness of the finished work of Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. So now let's look at Romans 15. Because the first thing that shows up in Romans 15, you'll see Paul says it right here. He goes on and he says, but we who are strong ought to bear the failings of the weak, and not just please ourselves. So what does that sound like? He's saying that we ought to bear, take on, right? Watch this, bear or take on the failings of the weak, right? Did not Jesus take on our sins when he got on the cross or when he when he went to the cross, 
he took on our sins. And as and, and more importantly, he, our sins became his sins. So by him taking them on, we get to see this aspect of maturity is those who are strong in Christ are willing what he said ought to. There's no willingness. He said it, it is your reasonable service, as in Romans 12 and 1. He said it's your reasonable service that you bear the failings of the weak. And not just please ourselves. It's not all about us. It's not all about us is what Paul is saying here. And I have to tell you this in the grand scheme of things. Christianity is not an individual faith. Christianity is about the church. God is, yes, he's concerned about the individual, but his focus is on the church, which is the body of Christ. And we all make up the members of the body. You see, so when we get to this point where we're thinking that everything is about us, my problem, my challenge is of the utmost important of importance now. God is saying, wait a minute. There's a bigger picture here that I need you to understand. I need you to grab a hold that I've been working out a plan from eternity past to eternity present. Did not God say from the foundations of time, he ordained, foreordained that we would be his inheritance and his sons or his children. So when you see these actions, Paul is saying you're stepping into the bigger picture of the eternal plan of the father, which means it's not all about you. And once we grab a hold of this, we can see the power of how love motivates us. Right. And we know in the world that we live in today, it's been proven that the Christian church or churches as a whole, from a giving perspective, are the most givingest people throughout the world. Even in the world, the most givingest people, if something comes up, it is it is we see that Christ moves on our heart and we are willing to contribute to others who are less off or in a worse situation than we are. I want you to just grab hold. Where did that come from? That came from the Christ that's living inside of us. But what, what Paul is saying here, I want you to go a little bit deeper than just writing a check or giving a donation. He says, I want you to get in and be a part of 
the situation of the week. Those that are failing, I want you to be a part of their failing or get in with them and understand what they're feeling and what they're going through. See, there's one thing to write a check when you're from a distance. There's another thing to visit the land and be there as a source of encouragement or to help people right there. It's another thing to like write a check or a donation to help clean up an area, but it's another thing that's different for you to go in and put your gloves on and your boots on and you put in weeds and you pull out weeds and do those certain things. So I'm not, I'm not dispensing the writing of the check or, or making of the donation. But what Paul is saying here is if we're strong in our faith, we actually are willing to do both. We're willing to lean in to what is important to man, those that are weaker. We're willing to lean in to their position. Now, verse two says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Think about that. He says, let each of us, us, right, who are strong or us who are in the church, please his neighbor for his good to build him up. He said, look, take the focus off of me. Take the focus off of I and put it on we. See, there is no I in Christianity. Nowhere in the Bible do you ever see, in the Bible or even in the New Testament, do you ever see I as reigning. Only time you see I is when Lucifer fell, and we know that that's the negative side, and we see the God is the I am. Right? He's the I am. He's the provider of everything. But individualism doesn't survive in a church. And if it doesn't survive in a physical church, individualism will not survive in Christianity. I I heard this a long time ago, and, and someone, how you said it is actually the quote that just came to me was Martin Luther King's. A quote that said, no man lives into an island upon himself. We are all connected one way to another. We need each other in order to even just exist on this earth. We can't, no one can live here solely by themselves, especially in today's day and times. We we rely on everybody else, on other people to even make it through our days. And God is saying, hey, if you can see this now from the natural, I want you to understand this from the spiritual that you're connected. God said this over 2,000 years ago, but I, he's now saying this to us. I want you to see from a spiritual and a physical how connected we are in Christ. Not in the world, how we're connected in Christ, how love is what has us knitted and fitted together, how love is reigning in and through us. 
even when we have or uh, we are hijacked and we act out in our flesh and we get angry and we get upset with people, the amazing thing about it is even if you're weak or strong in your Christian walk, eventually you will hear that voice and that voice that says, you know, you really didn't handle that okay. Let's go back and make amends to that. See, that's that's the love of Christ. And that's how we know that we've been sealed in the Holy Spirit. Because we still hear his voice. Even when you try to shut it down and shut it off. Like, not now, Lord, I know, but not now. Here's the key. You still heard the voice. So in verse, I'm going to read some notes here because I want to get from verse one and two. It says, those who are strong in faith owe a debt. Ooh, look at this. Owe a debt of love to those who are weak. And that's picking up from Romans 13 in eight, where it says, uh, Romans 13 and it says, owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, I want to remind you from the New Testament, Jesus' teaching, neighbor does not mean one that looks like you or one that is uh, in the same uh, aspect as you. Because in the Old Testament, to love thy neighbor meant that you love those who were Hebrews. Jesus came to reveal that to love your neighbor means to love your neighbor, no matter who your neighbor is. If your neighbor is, is a Samaritan, if your neighbor is a Gentile, whatever, you still need to love your neighbor. Why? Because God sent Jesus to die for every person in this world, past and present and future. So our neighbor is everyone in this world. And that's what Paul is revealing here. So he says, again, let me read my notes. He says, those who are strong in faith owe a debt of love to those who are weak. And love requires them to be careful not to violate the conscience, conscience of the weak. And doing that will require, listen to this, require setting aside some personal freedoms. <laughs> wow. See, requires of us. And I, I, when I read the word require, it, it requires of us to do it, but God doesn't, God doesn't require us to do it. He's saying, if you're willing, then you'll do this. Right? So if you're willing, you'll do this. Now he says, they won't be able to do some of the things God permits them to do. They must be aware of how their example 
the strong must be aware how our example influences those who are watching. Mm. The strong's goal should be to build a good relationship with the weak in order to help them grow strong. You see, everything that we do in and outside of the church has the capacity to influence those who are watching us. And believe me, they're watching us at all times. People are watching you even when you don't know it. They may not even tell you that they're watching you, but they're watching you and me. All right. So let's jump down to verse three. I'm going to just keep going through this. He says, for even Christ did not please himself. But just as it is written, look what he says. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So if you notice here, Paul is explaining to them how they should act, not require them to act. He said, you ought to. He said, you should be willing to, to, to lean in and to do this. For even, now, remember I told you when you see the word Christ, in the Bible, it is important for you to realize that when you see the word Christ or when you see Christ being used in a sentence, it is actually speaking to the anointed one of God. It's like when you think about it, he's saying God's Christ. So the power of God, right? He said, for even God's Christ did not please himself. Or let's put it this way. Or even the anointed one sent by God did not please himself. Do you see how that actually puts us in a totally different place? So remember always when... The writers in the New Testament are using Jesus. They're speaking to the humanity of Jesus. And when they're speaking of Christ and they use like Christ first, they're speaking to the anointed or the chosen one by God, the one of God, God sent the one that everybody was looking for. And if he didn't go to please himself, mm, who are we? Just think about that. And I know all of you listening to this, I know you get this, but this message is for the whole body. There are no big eyes and little eyes in the church. There's only we. Because think about it. Everybody is connected in the body. We're all attached to Christ. And the more we realize that our attachment is to Christ, the greater love will shine in and through us 
and in the church. It's not about our denomination. It's not about my calling. It's not about the church building. It's not about any of those things. The one thing that it always has to be about is the anointed one sent by God, which is our Christ and God's Christ. And his natural name is Jesus. He's my Jesus. He's your Jesus. And he's our Jesus, the Savior. Right? So beautiful. So he says, Christ did not come to please himself just as it is written. The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Verse 14. It says, for everything. Mm, mm, mm. Listen to this. This is really good, right? He said, for everything that was written in former times was written for our instruction. So that through, mm, watch this now, for, so that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Just, I want you to get this. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. Because we are living in a world right now where people are losing hope. We're losing hope in our politicians. We're losing hope in the church system. We're losing hope in the economy. We're losing hope in everything. But I will tell you this. There is only one place where you can get your hope restored. No matter where you start, hope is only restored in Christ. And this scripture is revealing to, he said, for everything that was written in the former times was written for our instruction, for our benefit, for our understanding. So that, listen, so that through endurance. So first of all, we have to be willing to endure. We have to be willing to endure the persecution, the misunderstanding, the, 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 uh, the bad relationships, the bad bosses, the bad economies, the bad politicians. Everything, all the other crap that's going on, woke and unwoke and this and that, we have to be willing to endure this, knowing, knowing that at the end, the Christ that we serve has the victory already. So it says through endurance, and here's the key, and through encouragement of the scriptures. Think about this. When was the last time you've been encouraged by the scriptures? When was the last time you picked up the word 
And when you opened it up and you read something and you felt life breathe back into you. Or is it that there is so much going on externally in our lives that we can't even hear the encouragement that's in the scriptures? But here's what I will say to you. Listen very carefully. Those who are strong. Notice how Paul started this. He's saying, if you are strong, you ought to bear the failings of the weak. So guess what? If the weak and if you can't get in the scripture and get encouragement, that's my assignment is to encourage you in the scriptures. That is why this podcast exists. I am here to encourage you in the scriptures. I am here to speak life into you so that you can endure. I am here to lead you to the restoration of your hope, which is Jesus. And now the scripture, Christ, it just came to me. Here's the key. Colossians, it said, Christ in you is the hope of glory. See, that scripture doesn't really sound like much, but it's everything. Because before Christ Jesus died for us, man could not have the spirit of the living God living in them. And Paul is revealing to them, he said, Christ in us is the hope, watch this, is the actual vehicle that's going to take us to glory or take you out of that death situation. See, glory is higher than death. So the Christ in you is the one that's going to take you out of the death or the dead situation or the dead circumstance that you're in as it is encompassed in the will of God. This is why Paul said it in Ephesians. And in more that I talk about this, I'm going to get to this as quickly as I can. So I got two more weeks. I'm going to get it. We're going to go into Ephesians before we go into Acts. This is why he said that God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of his power that is at work within you. This same power which God used to raise Christ from the dead is the same power that is at work within us. So what is God saying, man? What is he saying? He is saying the same power that spoke to death and couldn't hold Jesus down is the same power that is within us right now. And in the word in Ephesians, he said he he works according to, to the powers that were at work in Christ. So an according is attached. So the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has 
is and will always be as long as we are on this earth is available to every Christian who believes and know that they have that power within them. It's a finished work. Man, this is awesome. Thank you, Lord. So let me keep going. I know I went on a rabbit trail, but I want to, I got to get this. He said, through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. Now watch this. Verse five. He said, now may the God of endurance, oh, and comfort give you unity with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see what Paul just did here? He tied in bearing the weak. Everything that he tied in from chapter 13 and 14, he's tying it all in. And he's calling it unity. He's saying that me, the God of endurance, so I want to remind you, It's not your strength. Paul just gave us a key. He said that it is the God of endurance. And the God of endurance is the father of our Lord Jesus. And Jesus lives inside of us. So if Jesus lives inside of us and we have the same power that Jesus had working in him, we have all the endurance we are ever going to need. And then he went on and he said, the God of endurance and comfort. Thy peace I leave with you. I will not leave you alone as offerings, but when I go to the Father, I will send you back a helper and he will be with you always. What else? What else? What else do we need? Once we realize it, the answer to that is nothing. Because when we got Christ, according to Ephesians, we got every spiritual benefit in Christ in the heavenly realms. We got it all everything. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it. So let me read a little bit of my notes here. And I just want to, I want to pick up here in case verse three, well, actually, I'm going to just jump down to verse five on my notes here, because I think it's important. Five and six. So my note says, he says, scripture is able to help us be patient and comfort us because it points us to God to the God of patience and comfort. Let me say this, because I like to remind people of this. We don't pray for patience. We exercise patience. 
So whenever you are put in a situation and you're thinking, man, I need more patience, it, it's you use that situation as like a weight in the gym. You use it as resistance to become stronger in your patience. So we never pray for patience because if you pray for patience, it means that more persecution is going to come to you so that you can exercise or more setbacks or situations will come to you so that you can exercise patience to become stronger. Okay. So scripture is able to help us be patient and comfort us because it points us to the God of patience and comfort. And if God is able to produce those two attitudes or attributes in us, then he is also able to bring a diverse church into unity. Hallelujah. So Paul prays a blessing over the church at Rome, and I am speaking a blessing over Christ's church in the earth right now. A church in which believers were struggling to accept one another. He asks, may the God of patience and comfort give you the ability to think the same thing towards one another. Following after the example set for you by Christ Jesus. So that you may, with one mind and one mouth, having unity of purpose and gathered together as one people, not divided into separate cultural groups, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I want to remind people. And I'm not going any further. We think that the issues, the race issues that are happening in the world today, we think that it just happens to be here. And we know that it started in, in, in we, it started hundreds of years ago, right? They'll say it started, you know, in the 1700s or whatever. It's, no, people, stop it. It didn't start with slavery in America. It didn't start with slavery in the Europeans. It didn't start with, with the taking of the land of the Native Americans. It didn't start there, people. It started in the beginning. Once Lucifer tricked Adam, division and separation took place. It was there in the Old Testament. There was racism in the Old Testament. And God knows that racism exists. And you're saying, well, why isn't he fixing it? Be patient, my friend. Understand, he's in this for the long game, not the short game. From eternity past, God is working and a plan. And here's what I will tell you, and I'm going to end it on this. Thank you, Father. Scripture tells me that there is no race in heaven. So if we have the mind of Christ, I want you to get this now on earth. If the church truly believes and understands on earth 
as it is in heaven. What are we seeing? See, we are willing to hold on to traditions and misinformation. And we have truth right in front of us. We have the God of patience and comfort. Just as in the Roman church was having issues with the with the Roman believers or the Gentile believers and the Jews that were believers, nothing's changed. And God still worked and God still moved. And he's going to do it here today, too. He's going to do it in this time. Because he has a master plan and the plan is about him. We must understand that and look at the bigger picture. So I thank you for this lesson. I thank you for this opportunity to speak encouragement into you. Now you understand the, the God of comfort and the God of endurance is working in you. So start to tap into that strength and put your strength aside. Lay down your strength and let the God in you go up front. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daily Living for Christ, where we have one purpose, and that's to partner with you on your daily walk with Christ. Before you go, I have two questions I want to throw out to you. First, what insights did you gain from this episode? And number two, how will you apply those new insights in your daily walk with Christ? Remember, awareness leads to choice and choice leads to a decision. There's 86,400 moments in a day. 86,400 moments in a day. Let today be the day that you increase by one more moment with Christ. Until next time, I'm out.